Welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm so excited to have you join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs in the photography industry as we discuss photography, building a business, and still having a life through it all. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. And now, let's dive into conversation. Okay, we're on. We're, we're li- I always say we're live. We're just going to act like we're live, but we're sitting here in a coffee shop. I'm with my friend Cressa Rogers, and it has been a long time since we actually had the chance to connect in person. You were gracious enough to be like, yeah, I got some time tomorrow. Let's connect. Um, thanks, for, thanks for meeting me. Yeah, I'm happy to. It's been a while. So. It really has. And, uh, you know, I, when I think about uh, who I want to bring on the podcast, one of the things that that is important to me is that I'm talking to photographers, not only that are my friends, I love that. And it's recently, it's been kind of this uh, journey of connecting with old friends or reconnecting with old friends. So that's been lots of fun, uh, but also bringing photographers on that have something to, to share with the industry that I think will be valuable. And you have a really interesting brand. Um, and I, I think a really cool way to sum this up, or maybe not to sum it up, it's too simplistic, but um, I went to your, I think it's your Facebook page, and you had posted or updated your profile image. It's a picture of you downtown along the water with this beautiful dress on holding the camera. And somebody asked, where did you get that dress? And what, what did you say to him? I said I got it in a boutique in London. Right. So this is, this is like, in my mind, kind of the, the summation of Caressa. Like, this is a, a very well-traveled photographer. Much of your brand is centered around destination wedding photography. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And it's not always that it's destination in the sense that the couples are going to a destination. Oftentimes it's them bringing me to their hometown or their favorite like summer camp cabin on the woods kind of. Like it's very like what's meaningful to them and bringing me along. So I feel like it's a destination in that regard. That makes sense. Okay. So Talk to me about how that process works, and, and actually for the sake of all photographers, because this is a very, I think a pretty popular topic, right? People want to know, how do I get to this, how do I take my business to this place where I get to travel to these cool places and photograph my clients there as opposed to just being, you know, photographing locally? Um, it definitely started out very not planned. It just organically kind of grew, and I think a lot of it had to do with couple starter families that I did weddings for when I first started out eight years ago and they had friends and family that are from all over the country so the next summer when more weddings rolled around they were inviting me to come to Washington State and we'll do a Seattle wedding or let's go to Santa Fe New Mexico so it's been a lot of connections and I really believe in fostering like friendships when you're at a wedding at an event um, making connections with them. I've chosen not to do just weddings because if I'm in, let's say, you know, out in California, San Diego for a wedding, I'm also going to announce that, hey, I'm doing family sessions while I'm out there and maybe I'll book an extra day. But creating those connections with local families that might be interested, well, one of them may have a sister down the road that wants to get married. So it's a lot of, whenever you're traveling, letting people know that, like, I'm going to be here. Are you interested in photos? Or do you know someone that's a family member in this city? Share the post if you want to, you know, let them know about it. 
And I noticed that on your website, you've you've got a page dedicated to to the destinations that you're either going to be in or that you have been in for the year, and that's a way that you kind of communicate to clients or potential clients uh, to book business in those locations. Is that right? Yeah, it's. I found that it's really helpful to have that page just saying, hey, like these are already top places that are lined up of my, you know, 16 weddings this year, you know, eight of them are going to be on the West Coast. Letting people know those cities, if you know about them ahead of time, just gives people the idea when they're scrolling through your website, oh, she's in my town or she's even an hour away. I would drive to Seattle to get pictures done. Letting them know about that if you can ahead of time or just that there's a possibility of it versus saying destination, I do destination photos. Which is a bit more vague, I guess, and kind of random. This is much more pointed. That's interesting. Very intentional being about it. And sometimes it's not on my website. It's spontaneous trips that, oh, I'm going to Texas this weekend, say, then I'll just post a thing and say, hey, I've got a slot open for Texas shoots. Do you, anyone interested? And I'll do it on Facebook and Instagram, letting people know. know. And do you have a broad enough client base that's at at this stage that's just kind of based all over the country that enables you to be able to do that? Yes, it's definitely over the years just built up and gotten to be where there is connections all over. And it's not everywhere, but there's definitely hubs across the country in different areas. Do you, would you say at this point then that you photograph to travel or do you travel to photograph? What, what comes first? Or is it kind of a, a mix of the two? It's always a mix. Like I definitely know that if I'm traveling for personal and stuff, like I'm going to try and see if I can get a shoot while I'm out there. I mean, tax write-off purposes, if you're an entrepreneur or business owner, you know about, you know, the importance of that. But beyond that, it's... I see places with people in them. I'm not as very artsy with buildings or cityscapes. It's more like that would be an amazing engagement shoot or the family in that field would be beautiful. So I really, when I do travel, I'd love to incorporate shoots just so that I capture what I'm seeing as I'm going. Okay. And what would you say would would the percentage breakdown of people who are just doing a Google search, finding your website, seeing that this is how you approach photography, Uh, and book you versus those who are already connected to you in some way through social media or maybe a past client or otherwise they find you and and rebook you that way? Oh, I think there's more like, it's probably 80% of connections between people. Just occasionally I'll get one here or there that's like an oddball randomly searched me, but for the most part it's connections of someone that's related to someone or your existing network okay that makes sense so if if I look at your photography style it has I think what is kind of a popular style right now um, some photographers refer to it as light and airy (laughs) uh, which is kind of we we laugh at it at at my company because this is a phrase that we hear and, and you're like oh yeah they want light and airy again but in all seriousness you your brand seems to reflect that style in a very beautiful very genuine way how did you land on that? I was actually having a conversation with uh, Rich and Heather Smith, local photographers as well, the other day, and we were talking about the idea of style. And I think it's, it's a word that's thrown around a lot. Um, and a lot of times I think photographers are using a Lightroom preset or a Photoshop action and then just kind of calling that their style. How did you actually develop this, this style? 
I think back to like the first couple years, I didn't really know my style. I tried on different stuff. I had like purple. I was turning people purple for a while. Or I was doing the horrible one color, you know, in black and white. Like all the crazy things. I tried that in my journey of the first year or two, trying to figure out what I wanted. And I think the turning point was when I actually saw the light. I was on a shoot and the light just lined up perfectly, backlighting the client and it just glowed. And I saw that's what I want to capture. Like that's how I want it to look. And I want them to see the same thing I'm seeing here, just the best of it when I edit the photo. So I went home, edited it, played around with it and realized like that's what I want. I want to backlight people. I want to just make it seem natural. I don't want to add any of the extra stuff. It's just clean and crisp and light. So it's kind of over the years, you know, I've tweaked things along the way and everything, but for the most part, it's just realizing like how you use natural light and the play of light on people. And was there something that, again, to borrow a very popular word these days, inspired you when it came to light? If I think back to my photography career, what you described actually really resonates with me because there was something that really clicked at one point when I was watching movies and I would see what was a pretty, well still is I guess pretty common thing which is a really beautiful rim light or backlight on these subjects and I started to notice this and and I'd see it indoors and outdoors and indoor and outdoor scenes and then I wanted to take that to my photography and I I did. Would you say that you could, I mean could you point to a particular inspiration that, that led to this awareness of light? I don't think so. I think it's truly, I think back to the one image that I shot that was just, it went wild when I had posted it that night. And I think always from that point, I thought back to that one moment where I saw the light align. I knew how to look through the camera and search for that light and just the beautifulness that brought life to my client versus just a flat image. I'd been playing it really safe, doing just shade, all of that, not realizing that like once you start adding light and just different ways of lighting your subjects, it really changes the game on it. In a really big way. Now, do you mix, um, do you use flashes at all for say your wedding receptions and this type of thing? How how do you mix natural light with, um, shall we say, created light? Um, I use flashes for receptions and stuff like that. Every year, though, there's not a ton of weddings that you use flash that book me. You know, sometimes I have evening receptions at sunset, and that's gorgeous. Like, one of my favorite this summer, it was, like, at a yacht corporate center, and there was a yacht and sun glow in the background, and they left just at sunset, and it was, like, all the stars aligned for that reception. It was just beautiful. And then the twinkling lights glowing as it set. And I was like, that's what I wish I could have all the time. Like, just gorgeous lighting in the day on. But sometimes people choose to do the indoor weddings and indoor receptions, so I pull out the flash and use that, and they're just aware that it's a different look than if they, you can't have that outdoor yacht reception glow at sunset when you have an indoor church reception. What percentage of the weddings that you photograph do you photograph are destination weddings? Uh, What percentage are those weddings that you shoot locally or nearby? Because I I know that when I think back to, again, my photography career, I I would see all these weddings coming out of California that had this beautiful, beautiful light, right? And, and of course you want that, this light that you're describing <laughs> and the lot and or the, the yacht and the, the beautiful background. Um, but the reality was that some of the weddings or even a lot of the weddings I was going to be photographing here indoors. Yeah. 
And um, so I try to make the best of it and use as much interesting natural light as possible. But in the end, we were going to have to set up lights. And, and But what percentage would you say the breakdown is destination versus local? It varies every year. This year has been a little more local, but I'd say at least 75% of my weddings are destination. There's a handful every year that I'll do here. One year I only had one in Chattanooga and then the rest were on the road all over the country. And it's not even that I have one spot that's like only California weddings. I'll have Michigan, I'll have um, Virginia, Florida, like just all over Washington State, Idaho, just a variety. So it's added a lot of um, variety to my photos. No, I don't want anyone's wedding to look the same. Even though I'm playing with light and all of that, I want everyone's story to be built on like what they loved, where they are, their environment and stuff, and then you just kind of have to work with getting creative in that area, even if it's a church, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. So take us back a little bit. We kind of launched right into business and what you're doing in business, (laughs) but take us back a little bit to what led to this place, where you are a photographer. How How did that all get started? It wasn't my plan at all for life. I was going to be a kindergarten teacher and started out, went to college for that. And I would say probably my junior year, I went to Africa on a photo trip that my uncle was leading. And it's something I'd always dreamed about going on one of these African photo tours with him. And so I was old enough to join, so I went. And I just got inspired by it. And I was like, oh my word, like taking photos and I went home and read every blog I could, any, you know, any podcast, anything I could get on my, like, get my hands on. I was like, I'm diving in on this. So I just started, like, self-teaching myself, having a lot of fun with it. But I thought I was going to be a kindergarten teacher. I graduated in December a couple years later, and, you know, no one hires a teacher in December. You're like, right. uh-oh. <laughs> adult world I gotta pay the bills like what am I gonna do so I started just like announcing that I was doing family shoots and everything and from there it just kind of like spiraled I I told God I was like I either need five weddings or I need a teaching job because like finances are tight he sent 11 that year so it was just very like okay this is the direction you're going Mm -hmm. and from there it just eight years in now and it's hard to believe that I ever was gonna be a teacher and it just, it took off right away. 11 weddings that first year, and then what did it jump to the next year? 16, a pretty solid 16. Sometimes it fluctuates down to nine, but it's between the nine and 16 level. I cap it at 16. Do you really? So, wow. And then how many portrait sessions are you going to do in addition to that? Oh, it's a chunk. It could range from 75 to 150 in a year. Like... A good amount, yeah. And are most of those on the road as you go to these different locations, or are you still mixed? There's a lot in Chattanooga. Thankfully, it's a good hub for families and seniors and everything. But on the road, when I'm traveling, I probably get three to four shoots on a trip. And sometimes I went to California last month and had 12. So it just varies on the location and who else interested and how long I'll be there. Okay, okay. If you were to look back then, so eight years, yeah. you're way into this thing now, and you seem to be doing really well for yourself, what would you want your kind of rookie self to have known now that you've had some experience, you've done business, you've done photography for all this time, what would you tell yourself back then, or what would you tell new photographers now that they should pay attention to? Is there one or two things that, it, that would make a big difference? Well, when I jumped into it, I also was substitute teaching just because I wanted to really try and pursue 
the degree I'd gone to school for. And so I balanced that along with photography together, and I think that was a good starting move to just keep my hands on the pulse of like what I was going to school for, what I was pursuing, until I felt strong and confident to launch into photography full time. So, so many people just say, hey, dive in, just go buy your equipment, jump in and do it. But I'd still caution and I don't regret the time of that I took that I kind of invested in the teaching element. And if anything, it created friendships and connections with students and then their parents booked me for family shoots eventually down the road. I think remembering that everyone you meet is a connection and not just in the selfish, what am I going to get out of it? Are they going to become a client? But like how you can serve them and help them out. And I think keeping that focus throughout your journey of photography is key. That's really powerful. Now, would you say you talked about the importance of, of having that part-time job and it was just part-time, is that right? The substitute teaching? Okay. Was it was it generating enough income that you were able to rely on that while you got your feet uh, in the photography world? or I was using photography for sure to some degree. It was very pinching pennies, like in general, those first years, just making sure I was... I wanted to build up. I didn't want to go in debt trying to buy equipment and dive in, so I was buying one lens as I could or getting a new upgrade on a camera. So I was definitely using substitute teaching as like expenses but sometimes it needed supplemental from the photography that makes sense do you, did you I know that some photographers that are getting started they already have a full-time job or maybe their partner has the full-time job yeah. and is, is providing for uh, their relationship or for their family and so they have some flexibility to be a bit more choosy in the type of clients that they go after um, were you able to do that thanks to some of that income or did you kind of have to just book everything that you could in the photog- with the photography business? I think I, I took everything I could to begin with. Just I saw it as like it's more experience. I did a whole variety of stuff and now, now I know what my strong areas are and stuff. They're, I'm not picky and choosy in some degrees still because I just want to serve my clients. So. In the last couple of years, I've gotten into doing more families and newborns in the early years because so many of my brides and grooms are now having children. So it's something that I've started educating myself and growing that I didn't do at the beginning um, because, once again, I want to serve them in any capacity that I can. And that's a really simple, very pure approach to business, and I really love that. One of the other perspectives that is shared in the, both in the business world in general but then also in the photography industry is this idea of specialization. Um, being able to, and of course one of the advantages of that is that when you're marketing your business, it's very easy to communicate, hey, this is what I stand for, this is what my business does. Yeah. Um, if you were to sum that up for yourself, what, what is your brand? What is the Caressa Rogers photography brand? What does it represent? Well, I think I still specialize in one degree is because I don't take weddings on Saturdays or Friday nights just because of my religious beliefs. Um, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, so I've decided that from Friday night to Saturday night, I'm just taking the day off. I'm going to worship. I'm going to spend time with family and loved ones and just like connect with God. And so it's been a defining element to my brand because the inquiry is coming in for Saturdays. I'm I'm turning them down, so I am being picky and choosy in that one large aspect to it, which our industry runs on Friday night and Saturday. Absolutely, yeah. And so it's been a big game changer, but it's also something at the beginning I was like, God, this is what I believe, and you're either going to get me that teaching job or you're going to make it so I stay behind my beliefs and still have a fulfilled 
job and a career with photography. So that's definitely played into it. So I'm a Sunday wedding photographer or family photographer or anything. So that's changed my brand. But serving my clients is key. Now, would you say that, that you've been able to build your business on relationships within the Seventh-day community? Or is it built largely on that? Or did, are there are a lot of weddings that come in from outside as well that just happen to be on Sundays? It's mainly actually Seventh-day Adventist. Okay. It just tends that there's a lot of connections with it. We have universities all over the country, and I went to one in, um, here in Chattanooga. But there's fellow ones up in you know Washington State and so that's helped too by people that a wedding party that had their cousin from Washington State well then now they're booking me up there so it was a lot of networking and a good hub of people supporting me and saying hey you believe in this you're standing behind your beliefs I want to support you I want you to be my wedding photographer so that's been huge and oh, helping me absolutely that's really powerful and I think it's really intelligent way to approach business too and there's so many different ways that you can or kind of mix them up uh, these various approaches but one of those ways is to tap into a community that you might be a part of whether it's a church just a local neighborhood or whatever the case may be, but really capitalizing on that. I think that's that's really intelligent. And in your case, of course, the beautiful or one of the beautiful benefits of that is that you've had the opportunity to travel a lot as a result, which yes. is really, really cool. It's definitely, it's the key to it is the people that have supported me through this journey and created connections and shared with their family and friends that like, hey, this is what she's doing, you know you should check her out, think about her for your wedding or for your family photos and stuff. So I'm really blessed with the connections that I've gotten from that. That brings to mind a book called Never Eat Alone, which is kind of a, a segue to my next question. Your, your fascination with food, photographing food, eating food. Um, you post pictures on both your Instagram account. You also have a, you have a separate Instagram account just for your recipes, right? much, but yeah, because I, I started to do that, but then I was like, this is so much a part of my brand and being all-rounded. Like, I want my clients to know who I am and that I love food. And I have this, I'm working on a cookbook that hopefully I'll get done this year, no fingers way. crossed. It's always one of those things that based on how my flow is of client work, do I get to work on the cookbook? Um, and is that, are they original recipes? Yeah. So it's, no, it's called Car Recipes, a little yeah. spin on my name, yeah. and it's going to be a brunch cookbook. And I started the idea because I love giving gifts to my couples, and so for their wedding gift, I'm going to give them a Car Recipes cookbook for a lifetime of breakfast in bed together. And just Whoa. a fun like way to like, this is me, this is my photography, it's something special that I can add and give them as a wedding present. So that was my, that's my goal behind it all. I love the yeah. way that you're mixing kind of that additional passion into your business. That's really, yeah. really neat. I wanted it to be just like a full picture of like, my brides and grooms get to know me and who I am and I want to get to know with them and I want them to wake up on Sunday morning and make brunch together and you know check out my pumpkin pancakes and apple cider syrup or you know wow okay so so what would be your top two or three favorite recipes oh, oh that's a hard one um Oh, I like a like a lemon ricotta pancake with a raspberry sauce oh, wow. um, there's a banana bread that's espresso and it's got a little bit of lemon and orange in it so it's like kind of like a morning banana bread spin that's a little different than your typical banana bread so that probably is another one of them. 
So how did you even get into kind of the, the foodie world to begin with? How did that all start? I've been one since I was a little girl. Really? Okay. Um, there's photos of me and my dad cooking when I was like two and three years old, just like making pies and everything. So I've grown up and my family just let me run with that and nurture that love of food and make... I made Thanksgiving dinner when I was in eighth grade all by myself just because I was obsessed with Martha Stewart and my mom's like, okay, run with it. You can do Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, I've loved it and then I just throughout the years worked on perfecting it and now I was like, wait, I do photos. Why not set up and style my food and take the photos and make the cookbook and so it just kind of evolved from there just happened naturally yeah. that's incredible so are you do you have a website up for this this cookbook no. yet or people can no, like pre-order <laughs> that's, that's the next work in progress i'm like pre-ordering and then we'll get it out there and everything but when do you think you'll have it ready i've been aiming for christmas time so nice. we'll see okay it's this is going to go on the air everybody's going to know so you're you're, you're going to be held to it <laughs> i already have a couple clients saying we're using this for christmas presents so I've got to work. I've got all the recipes down. Now it's just working on the design and the layout of everything. And then you have to photograph everything too, oh, right? I've already photographed. Really? Yes. Okay, so that's already done. I've cooked it. That was the longest task because wow, when you're yeah. cooking for one, you're not like wanting to make pumpkin pancakes every single day or like, you know. And then you have to get it just perfect, right? So does it require making recipes over and over again sometimes? Thankfully, it's been, some of the recipes have been years in the making that this is like a tried and true staple that I love, a signature granola that I have. Um, and so now it was just a matter of like, more so making them and then styling them. Because my photography, I, I would take pictures of it back in the day when I first started, but different quality, different caliber level. It's not the stuff that you're seeing on Instagram, the professional clean look to it, so. Well, tell us all how we can learn more about what you're doing, uh, what your website is, your Instagram, and if nothing else, people are going to want to know about your food, or your recipes, rather. Um, so tell us where we can find you. Well, on Instagram, I'm just Caressa Rogers, and then www.caressarogers.com is my website for more of my photo work. But if you're following on Instagram, that's where I'm posting the previews or the announcements and stuff. That's great. And you'll be, you'll be talking about the recipe book there. Yes. Okay. Sure. Cause we're going to all want to get our hands on it. <laughs> I'll, I'll post a link. Pre-order here. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking time. And, and I, I just, I realized we're sitting here talking. We're not getting to drink. You're not getting to drink your latte. It's going to get cold. So we better get back to that. But thanks so much for taking time to, to chat for a bit today. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast. If you'd like to hear a particular photographer or entrepreneur in a future episode, don't hesitate to email me, nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer.